Hello and welcome to The Testing Peers. This week is going to be Mental Health Awareness Week and in order to tie in the, our podcast with that, we're going to be talking about a specific issue which is burnout and what we can do ourselves, how, how close we've been to burnout and what we ourselves have done to help prevent that and help prevent it from others. Tonight, discussing that, we have all four of us. We have Russell. Hello. Chris. Hey. Simon. Hello. And myself, David. As part of this podcast, we have Ben from Saffron QA who sponsors us. Saffron QA is a provider of recruitment and consultancy services exclusively for the software testing community. And we thank them very much for their continued support. So in preparation, before we get onto the main topic, we usually start with some banter. And so Chris, what have we got to discuss tonight? Rather than talking about my kids, I'll talk about my other previous love before children and my wife, Josh, my wife as well, was computer games. Seven years in computer games was quite a big deal. And there was quite a popular franchise that was a driving franchise called Burnout. Now, did anyone ever actually play this game? No, I did. I think on the PS1, PS2, I think. I think I've played it as well. Is there a particular franchise of computer game that really holds a special place in your heart? Well, I would say Gran Turismo, probably. Well, going back to the BBC, I, I used to love Chucky Egg. That was um, an amazing game, very simple. And in a retro gaming thing we did in our village, because in Cambridge, we've got the Museum of Computing History. And so they had all the BBC games there. So they did have Chucky Egg. So um, yeah, I had a quick go on that, scored quite highly. And Dave, who was on our Restorming episode, actually volunteers at Cambridge Museum for Computer History. Oh, uh, right. So, yeah, yeah. But then in the in the modern game, probably Gran Turismo. I like a good a driving game and um, that would be my go-to franchise. So I only had the NES growing up, Mario and Super Mario Brothers 2, 3, all the other games around the Mario were the obvious favourites. I think as I grew a bit older and got to PlayStation, it was more Crash Bandicoot and then it was FIFA and Gran Turismo, as David mentions, and the WWE games, which uh, I seem to get them every year and I've still got them now for the Wii and the, the PS3, FIFA and WWE. For me, it's probably Champman. Or Football Manager as it morphed into the amount of my life I have spent playing that rather than doing exam study or some other thing that should have enhanced my life. That is true, actually. Yeah, the amount of time at university spending Championship Manager. Good games. Time voids, but um, wonderful, wonderful things. I've kind of ebbed and flowed through things, but with seven years in the games industry kind of burnt me out of games for a while, apart from Football Manager. Since Christmas, my uh, children... Start, slowly start getting into computer games so we got a switch and now they are mario fanboys well specifically my youngest is into luigi that's kind of taken over a lot of things but i still probably spend most of my time either playing mario kart on my phone which by the way a few of us here do and if you want to join our friends list on that that'd be kind of cool but also i do play football manager and i've just managed to win the champions league with gateshead Congratulations. Thank you. I'm much underappreciated team in the uh, European. Absolutely. My star player is a Chilean winger called Hector Vegas. <laughs> Might not be real. Yeah. Th- thanks for that. That's nice. Nice little trip down memory lane. Simon, do you want to just bring us back in, please? Yeah. So as David mentioned at the start, this week is Mental Health Awareness Week. And you can find more information on Mental Health Awareness Week on the mentalhealth.org.uk website, where they talk about 
the Awareness Week. And this year, the theme is nature and how nature can benefit us all to improve our mental health. So if you want more information on that, go to mentalhealth.org.uk or at Mental Health on Twitter. But as we say, we're going to talk about burnout tonight and our experiences with it. Who wants to start? What, what experiences have you had with burnout and how it's affected you? Or do we want to start with what burnout actually means? I think starting with what it means is a good place to start. And I think it's probably personal and different for all of us. In my experience, burnout, just really succinctly, is when my brain, it gets fuzzy. I can't really focus on pretty much anything. I'm quite overwhelmed. There's probably one or maybe two things that at that point where I'm, I'm so overwhelmed, I can't concentrate on other things. I'm not sleeping properly. I'm not eating properly. I'm not engaging like socially with people, my family, anything like that. It's a real sense of overwhelmingness for want of a better term until that little pin's been pulled out. Nothing can be computed by me at all. I'm, I'm, I'm essentially useless. Yeah, I think it means different things for different people. And I think that it is, it's that feeling of overwhelmed by things that are happening in your life. And that might not be, it might be work, it might be personal. And then because it's all playing around in your mind, you can't then concentrate on one thing. You're constantly thinking or flicking of, of what other things are in the periphery that are distracting you. And that can then, like you say, affect your working life. It can affect whether you eat regularly, what you choose to eat because you can just snack or even not even eat at all you feel so overwhelmed that you don't necessarily always go out so you don't necessarily exercise and then that can also have a knock-on effect to your sleep and sleep is a very underestimated thing I think people think you know especially in youth you go out partying all the time but actually lack of sleep can have a really big detrimental effect on your mental health and just your general ability to perform the next day in just normal life waking up in the night and having those worries can have a catastrophic effect on not just on the next day but on multiple days in the future if you don't actually get it under control so i i kind of find the line between sort of depression stress burnout quite similar but there are obviously differences between them but ultimately it's kind of prolonged stress for a long period of time that's forcing you to kind of disengage you end up being a bit cynical about the work itself you end up kind of like not wanting to do anything having no energy which is again where it kind of links into some of the other symptoms of depression um, and other areas. And I feel for sort of health professionals when we're trying to distinguish between what things are, because I think it is very hard to do. It's ultimately that feeling that you want to disengage with everything around you and that what you love and what you know you love, you just don't love anymore to a degree. Um, you hate the job you're doing, you lack that energy, you get in- irrational, you get irritable, you get annoyed with the littlest things. To me, it's when they've had projects or other work that's kind of caused that happened for such a long period of time that I just haven't taken the right breaks. Yeah, I think everything you all said is bang on, but as you also said, it's all contextual for your own surroundings. I think the current world we're living in, in this pandemic, has probably caused an acceleration in burnout, anxiety, stress. For me personally, because of the lack of differentiation between work and home and and the boundaries that are usually very clearly set are no longer there. For me, with burnout, also increases the anxiety. And that then has a knock-on effect of you start getting anxious. Like Russell said, projects at work. Chris will vouch for how it was last summer in our workplace. I was working long days and it was that thing of project after project after project that all require the demands at the same time. That does cause stress, anxiety. I became very focused on that and nothing else to the point I couldn't switch off. I couldn't interact like you said. It just became that focus, that tunnel was all you could think about. All you needed to do was was the work. That's a 
tunnel I've been down before, and it's not pleasant. I think it's it is different for everyone, but I think there are obviously from the four of us there are very similarities in in, in what we've said there. I think the other important thing is the fact that it's progressive. Often it doesn't suddenly hit people. It's a progressive thing that slowly builds up over time, and it's so slow sometimes you don't always necessarily realize that you're going down a path before you you sort of hit a brick wall before you actually realize that you actually pull back and so therefore we are all responsible both for ourselves and for other people to try and recognize those behaviors in order to help prevent it from happening in other people exactly as you say you know people working long hours people not turning up potentially at meetings where they regularly do or not engaging in meetings or things like that and, and that has become i know we've discussed it in other podcasts that we've gone you know it's more difficult in this particular thing but it's it's simple things like you know people who have been putting on their camera and are now not putting on their camera or not engaging quite so much in in those particular things just being aware of that and just checking in with people in a different way to make sure that they are okay it's slightly more difficult in these sort of scenarios at the moment not being close to people because you can't easily notice a change in behavior yeah i think change in behavior is definitely one of the telltale signs and i guess sometimes it's immediate turning the camera off it's either on or off it's quite easy to spot that often it's slow burning things it's as you say people are gradually just fading further and further into the background versus always been the one that would speak up in meetings, as you say. It is hard because like most of sort of things with mental health, it's, people often hide how they're feeling. It's only how they're experiencing life. It's sometimes hard to kind of see the, for example, lack of sleep. Uh, you try and hide that when you have those problems. I've, I've had it with burnout sort of situations or where I just want to go to sleep. I've gone to work without sleep several times and things like that, just because my brain could not physically switch off. I get slower more responsive. I didn't notice I was getting slower and more responsive. People eventually twigged. I was a bit sleep deprived. I think it was maybe the sixth coffee and the hyperactiveness that maybe got rid of it. It is often most of these sort of symptoms can be quite easy to hide for a while. And it's little telltale signs, as you say, like that person who's slightly more irritable, the person who's slightly more hiding themselves a little bit more. Do you think it's more of a problem in this remote world because that sort of non-verbal cues that you get from people aren't so obvious i think it's a lot easier to hide definitely things 100 percent, yeah. ten thousand percent even i felt seeing myself doing it more i know that sometimes i'm just fading away in the background and i know i can get away with it more and i think that because of the isolation you feel that you hide your problems potentially because everyone else has got their own problems and so therefore you don't want to necessarily talk about them you don't want to share your problems but then the, the problems just exacerbate and it's almost the as well the isolation because that can exacerbate it because we feel like we're going through it on our own and we haven't got that support network exactly because we haven't got that human interaction with other people yeah one of the symptoms i think is you kind of isolate yourself more and obviously in yeah. the world where you're more isolated to start with it's just naturally much easier my role means i'm in lots of meetings so people would suddenly notice if i didn't turn up between meetings or if i wasn't in meetings and was just asked to do print tasks a lot more then it's slightly harder to spot or the, the, the cycle to spot it is slightly longer. And, you know, in, in this kind of scrum world, that team working ethos, we do have kind of an, a responsibility to kind of see what's going on, to be aware of our colleagues and our team. And that team could actually be a really good benefit of working in that way so that actually we can spot those amongst us who are having off weeks, generally longer than that, but who are sliding on a slippery slope. It's easy to skip into alcohol, food, drugs, anything like that, kind of coping mechanisms. They're not all positive. Actually, most coping mechanisms aren't positive. 
And also, I mean, though we've got a duty of responsibility for work, you know, what happens out of work is completely personal to those people. And we're not guaranteed to know what's happening in people's lives. And it's their option to share with us. So therefore, we're sort of honoured if they do share with us. And I would recommend that we should all, if we're feeling that we're going through stress or burnout or the potential there, we should always have someone that we can confide in, that we can talk to, that we can talk through these things, whether that is a work colleague or whether that's a friend outside, we need to be able to to share our experiences and what we're actually going through. Within work, we need to appreciate that there are struggles. Everyone is likely to have particular things and going on in their lives that we are not privy to. And we should respect that. So if they're cross or angry or whatever, it's possibly not something personal to us just give them a bit of space and just let them calm down and and actually ask them how they're feeling and, and ask them properly how they're feeling, not just accept the words okay and fine, because anyone can just cover up and just do that. Try and get them to to talk about their actual feelings. It's also a thing I think like a common thread I've noticed from me is certainly during this pandemic, probably way before was I always feel tired by default. So it was, it was quite easy for me to hide behind the um, I'm feeling tired. And that would just be my response. I guess the tell for me was more like I'm tired and there wasn't a poor attempt at some sort of comedic quip that went alongside that. It would just be like, oh, I'm just tired at the moment. Um, And I wouldn't go deeper than that. In retrospect, I realised that actually when I'm talking about that, I am just saying like I'm overwhelmed and I'm not sleeping well. I'm not able to do those things. I wrote a blog about it last year, about some of the struggles that I had. And my wife read it and she was like, I didn't talk to me more about those things. And, and it's not that I didn't want to talk to my wife about things. It's half the time I wasn't really aware when I was going through those things mm. that it was burnout. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. And it, it's difficult. I think the last time I've felt this was was quite recently. And it became a point where beforehand I was making time. I'd actively found a slot each day that was block booking in my calendar to fit in either having lunch or to have exercise with the kids or to spend time doing something different to being sat at my desk to do meetings. And that suddenly stopped. I suddenly felt there was no time for me to do that. I needed to be focused on work. I, even when I was not on meetings, I need to be not disturbed. I need to be focused, um, need to be doing this, that, and the other, because I've got so much to do. It got to a point where I was getting messages from my wife going, you, you just don't come out of the office anymore. What's going on? And it was suddenly that that made me realize, you know, I'm starting to go down that, that track again, where I get obsessed. Even if things could wait, I'd be working till five, six o'clock. I'd have dinner. I'd put the kids down. Oh, I just need to check my emails. And I'd then be sat online for another two hours. Part of it would be working, but part of it would just be browsing for the sake of browsing because I felt Mm. I needed to be at my computer doing something. I had to try and break that. And thankfully, talking to you guys is a big help. That's definitely helped. I am a person that will very quickly tell you all my problems when I'm feeling like that as well. It's come out in work meetings where I've just got, I just can't have more time. I've got meetings end to end of the day. I'll get no breaks in between. I'm just, I'm at the brink of burnout and I'll be quite open about it. And then people go, well, why have you got so many meetings? Mm. And then I have to sort of explain why I've got so many meetings. And it's like, okay, you've got lots of meetings. We need to sort that out. And just talking to people, suddenly people want to try and help you. It's often you get blinded by your own thought process that you don't see out. So that conversation is a great way of rationalizing your situation. Yeah. And I'm terrible like you for back-to-back meetings and actually realizing that I don't need to go to some of them and I can delegate some of them. Yeah. But in the moment, that's not the way I think. 
No, I think exactly. It will help if I'm there. At the beginning of the day, you just see all these meetings, so you just lurch from one meeting to the other. Whereas actually, if we had more space and time and the headspace to be able to go, actually, I, that is not a priority meeting. But it's only when yeah. we're, we're sort of lurching from meeting to meeting, we're thinking, this is not a productive meeting, but I, I'm now in it. I can't really escape from it. Exactly. And yeah. you sort of get caught up in this spiral of what do I do? Yeah. Well, and for me, the big difference is when I was going to an office, I had a routine of I'd go and get a coffee. I'd sit at my desk about half eight. I'd then look at my meetings for the day, work out which ones I'd attend and sort my day out. And then I'd have the commute home to decompress before I got home. Whereas now I'm literally helping the kids get dressed, getting myself breakfast, getting dressed. I'm sat at my desk by nine o'clock. The first meeting starts at nine o'clock and I'm then going, oh, I've got meetings all day. No time to sort it out. Trying to bring some kind of routine into this pandemic world as well will, will help. For me, my breaks are potentially sorting out the kids with their schoolwork and mm. or IT issues. There are other things that take your mind space. So therefore, you can't concentrate on the work 100% like you would do at work and go, oh, okay, on my journey to the next meeting room, I'll just pop by so-and-so in order to speak to them. Exactly, yeah. And give you that space to, to consider it. It's an extra task that needs to be added to your day to actually make the space in order to, to try and get to that person or contact that particular person. I think also it's difficult sometimes for, especially for, for men to vocalise their problems or highlight their particular feelings. I'm very guilty of that, of, of actually showing my feelings. That is another double whammy that people find it difficult to actually show those feelings or recognise them in themselves before it's too late. So what I was going to talk about or suggest we start and move towards anyway is what can we do about burnout? Obviously, as leaders, one of the key things we talked about, obviously, is performance of work often drops, stress of people, they get more irritable, which causes work problems usually. You know, an irritable person in the workplace generally isn't a pleasure to work with. So as leaders, what can we do to help? Simon mentioned there, I think, Tim talking about his calendar, colleagues stepping up to help and say, actually, what can we do about this? And that's a good one. Free to talk and so on. That's a good one as well. What do you think, Chris? I think the most important thing is to normalise it and to talk about it. And as leaders, to talk about how it's all right and to set an example and to say when you're showing a, a certain level of vulnerability about these things. And, you know, we talk about leadership setting examples and having credibility on these things. We need to show that we have that ourselves as well as rather than just words saying it's okay to be not okay, which is wonderful. Having that as an example, actually walking the walk as well as talking it. I found this where... I burnt out on things and I didn't want to talk to my boss about it. And that's a problem. But where I've had bosses that I could share that with, it's okay. They support me. Take the time that you need. And I was able to do that for people that reported to me and I work with as well. Having an environment where these things are talked about is the most important thing. And if we've got examples like Simon bravely did a talk about where he burnt out. And he's even got a picture, which is a bit scary to look at. It's not just because it's your face, Simon. It's because you hurt yourself. Swollen face as well. Yeah. 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 And, you know, and it, it's important to have these conversations and as leaders to talk about them. It happens to us. We're not these unbreakable superhumans. And, you know, there's that talk that Ali Hill did at Test Bash. There's a playlist on the Ministry of Testing um, that's free for everybody on mental health issues his is called don't be a superhero i highly recommend you listen yeah, to it agree with watch that. it the biggest lesson i got from doing that talk and talking about the fact i reached that point of collapsing at home in front of my kids 
hitting my head on the table on the way down, ended up in A&E for the day, all caused because of burnout, because I was working 15-hour days talking to my team in India, my team in the US, et cetera, et cetera. The biggest lesson I got out of that was other people are feeling it too. And the fact that I was brave enough, as you say, to step on that stage and talk about it, the feedback I got was we felt we've been like that. We've done something similar. Thank you for talking about it. And now gives me confidence to talk about it as well. I think that's the most crucial thing I got out of it was talking about it helps. I felt better after offloading it that it happened to me. There was that stigma beforehand of because I've suffered it, it makes me weak. And actually, after stepping off that stage and hearing the questions and talking to people afterwards and doing the online versions of it as well and getting the feedback, it was, you know, you're not weak for saying this. That makes you a good person to be able to share your message and help other people. I would strongly advise that you you find a medium to voice it, whether it be a conference talk, whether it be like Chris and writing the blog, finding some way, finding someone to talk to is key for getting you through it. And finding ways to take your mind off it, whether it be, as we talked about earlier, video games may be one way, but I wouldn't advise doing it into the early hours of the morning like I used to. But it's definitely a way to unwind, doing something that's not required a lot of thinking or getting out for runs, getting out for exercise in in the outside world. It can all help bring you back into line and make you feel more normal again. We need to support people through it. And exactly as Chris said and, and Simon is we need to show ourselves and our true feelings as part of that. Sometimes during catch-ups, occasionally they do at the end of it, they go, and how are you feeling? I need to be honest with them. I need to be honest. The fact that they asked me is really quite nice because, again, it creates that sort of atmosphere. But also it's good to check in with with everyone just because your line manager doesn't mean to say that you have similar similar feelings and similar stresses. And and it's good to make sure that that communication is, is maintained. But also as part of those one-to-ones try and change it up rather than have it on screens why don't we go back to a phone and have it outside especially with spring coming up and summer just say right let's get outside let's get outside let's hear the birds the nature of this week's for mental health awareness week is nature let's get out there we have the opportunity to do it wherever we are we can step outside our door we can feel the sun and being outside whether it's exercise or just even standing outside and having a coffee can have a really beneficial effect because we can recognize our place in the world and and actually appreciate and even if it's mindfulness that people can try you know suggesting that i've had i've done meetings before where we started off with a breathing exercise just to calm people down just to realize that actually there are things that we can do in order to help ourselves and it can be an individual thing or it can be a group collective thing we need to lead and we need to to support people to try and get their understanding of what is good for them out there so that they can really appreciate it. There is lots of information that can get available online, mind.org.uk. You can go to those sort of places. Lots of workplaces these days have systems and places that you can speak to somebody who's not your employer, but the third party that they pay to give you sort of services, including counselling and other areas and things like that, that you could use to actually help you. Generally, People are interested in helping. Mental health is important. And more and more has been talked about it because the more and more people realize this. It's really, really good. And, you know, Mental Health Awareness Week, again, is for raising it. I think I speak for all of us in saying that we've all suffered mental health. It's really, really important. And we all feel it. You're not alone. There are others out there. Um, Look online for help. Um, If you're in doubt that maybe you're suffering or not, if you have a tweak of them, your mind goes, oh, maybe I've got some. Go and have a look research it, find out a bit more about it. 
And as Simon said, and David and Chris and everyone here, if you've got someone you can speak to, brilliant. But if not, there are others out there who will, who are willing to listen. You are not alone in this. And I'm keen to emphasize that because I've definitely felt like that at times, but I realize now I never was. And it's very hard in those situations. I have a special thank you tribute to you guys because the other week I had a lot going on and I said I wasn't going to be able to make our podcast recording. I felt like I was quite close to burning out. I kind of sent some of those things coming in, creeping in. I just said, I can't do any more too close. And you were accepting of that. And I thank you for that. That's the kind of accountability that I was seeking when I, I asked you guys to join us on this crazy journey. So thank you for that. I do appreciate it. Things could have gone bad, but they didn't. So thank you very much. I would concur with that as well. I mean, you guys have saved me from the brink a few times of fe- feeling the burnout. And whether it be messages or it's it's Chris's WhatsApp every so often, just checking how my day's going. Just little things like that. Knowing someone else is interested, knowing someone else that isn't in your bubble, because even in your home bubble with your other people you live with, it's sometimes you do get to a point where you see so much of each other, even if you know you are in meetings all day, you still see them all day. You don't want to have to tell them all the stresses you've had because they've had stresses looking after the kids or or the kids are struggling because they've got this and the other. And it's just nice to have someone that could be in a different context that understands you, appreciates you. And you guys, no matter what, we're all, you're always at the end of a text message to just pep people up and, and cheer each other up so it's, it's good it's good that we've got this I'm not going to get too emotional right now but I think we're all getting there yeah I'm, I'm going to shut up now yeah I think we both gave our powerful end speeches there Russell yeah this is this is obviously quite an emotional topic I think as you can probably hear in our voices it's, it's something that touched all of us if you feel like reaching out and you want to talk to us tell us your stories say how you've managed to, to get through it or avoid burnout then get in touch on our usual social channels there's contact us at testingpeers.com or there's at testingpeers on twitter facebook instagram yeah so get in touch also thank you to our sponsors saffron qa really appreciate all the support and uh, we look forward to hearing from you next time for now it's goodbye from the testing peers. Goodbye. goodbye.